0: This is an EWTN link I'm Teresa Tamio from Catholic Connection. National Weather Service office out of Jackson, Mississippi, giving the deadly tornado that tore through parts of the state Friday night a preliminary EF4 rating that's the second highest possible. The NWS tweeting that the twister also carved out a path nearly 60 miles long and three-quarters of a mile wide, devastating several rural communities and claiming the lives of 26 people. The House of Representatives approving a parental rights bill to give parents more knowledge of and say in their children's education. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the bill will be dead on arrival. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy accusing Democrats of being too extreme to believe parents should have a say in their students' education. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. I'm Teresa Tomio, and The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Starts now.
1: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir?
2: This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you,
3: Dr. Ray the Great. Well, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just
2: like my father. I don't
3: think you should feel helpless. You are helpless
1: doctor i really appreciate that that makes me feel a lot better
3: you be at peace or else i'm gonna yell
1: at you trying to find a reason to speak to you i think you're the best thing since place bread that ray he's something thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there i don't know
3: what i can possibly do i don't either i'm getting my money worth i think
4: at this phone call
1: now from the studios of living bread radio network in canton ohio the hometown of mother angelica here's dr ray that sounded like a compliment, didn't it? I'm getting my money's worth with this phone call.
3: It was a slam. The phone call was free. Her money's worth was zero. She got nothing for her money's worth. Isn't it, isn't it awful to like, say something to a shrink? Good to have you with me. Dr. Ray Garanti, program doctor is in variant of the program. E-Person Monday. Get a chance to... Uh, Tackle. Now I'm starting to use those sports analogies, those manly sports analogies. I was going to say address, but that sounds kind of softer. No, tackle, take on, jump into, grab hold of your e-persons. This is one I just came across from Stephen Wright, the comedian. He says of an uncle who is allergic to cotton, he has pills for it. But he can't get them out of the bottle. <laughs> you know, I remember studying when I was in grad school where they talked about comedians. And they said to be a really good comedian, at least at some level, you, you have to have tremendous insight. You you have to see things in a way that doesn't occur to the average person. And I watch these comedians, guys like Stephen Wright. You know, he'll say things like... uh, I used to work in a fire hydrant factory. You couldn't park anywhere near the place. You you gotta you gotta look at life in sort of uh, an angle that nobody else or few others look at. All righty. So I got to decide what I'm going to talk about. This this came from a magazine. This was some years back. This is why. So many parents, well, this alone isn't why. This typifies why so very, very many parents are insecure, second-guessing, unsure of themselves, afraid to take charge, afraid of making mistakes, don't want to be psychologically correct. Need I go on? You'll find out as soon as... I read this question. Now, this was sent, it was in a a very high-profile family magazine, was sent to a woman who, it says here, is an educator. All right, I don't know what her degree is. I don't know whether she works with parents or not. Maybe she just has decided that she wants to give advice via a magazine. My 16-year-old son was dumped by his in-crowd, and that was in quotes, in-crowd friends. When he and his girlfriend broke up. Now he's hanging out with guys who smoke pot and drink. He says he doesn't participate. How can I keep these people from bringing my son down? Now, the average person, before the psychologists and the educators like this, swarmed the scene, would have said, well, he shouldn't be around those people. That's not good. They're smoking, drinking. They're doing stuff against the law. Smoking pot now. And by the way, the pot that is now on the streets is scary. Just No, he's not allowed to be around them. You have to watch out for his statement. No, no, no. No, no. no. You'll see real quickly here how this uh, quasi-expert addressed the problem. But let me just comment on a couple of the lines in the question. My 16-year-old son was dumped by his, quote, in-crowd friends. My experience dealing with parents and teens, in-crowd is not necessarily a good place to be. These are the kids who have a lot of social freedoms. They got a lot of opportunities, and they they tend not to be all that supervised. In-crowd is the click. It's the kids who uh, may not necessarily be the safest group to hang around with. I know that's a generalization, but in crowd uh, means some things now that are a little more pejorative. Now he's hanging out with guys who smoke pot and drink. Okay, bad crowd. He, he's with people he shouldn't be anywhere near. Then she says, He says he doesn't participate. Well, there you have it. He doesn't. Okay, that's good. Glad glad to hear that. Now, any parent is not going to say, well, you know, that's who you hang around with. But you're not like them. You're not going to do what they do. Okay. Then she says, how can I keep these people from bringing my son down? Well, that sounds like you can influence those people. You can't. You can't influence those people. (coughs) Excuse me. You have to influence your son. Now, I think that's what she means to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think she means, how do I talk to my son so these, these kids don't pull him down to some of the stuff they're doing? That's what she means. But apparently, one of the options is not to say you can't be around them. All right. So here's the answer. Oh, boy, the answer. I want you to take a step back and see his position. All right, there you go. You got right off the bat, right off the bat. Mom, you're not being sensitive. This kid broke up with his girlfriend, and he's hanging around with some kids who are going to get him in trouble. You got to see his position here. He's feeling lonely and rejected. His girlfriend is gone from his life, and his friends chose her over him that may not be what happened at all I'll just throw speculation out what might have happened is that she didn't want to hang with him for various reasons and he's showing a side of him that may explain it he immediately headed toward a group that is in ways risk takers so is it possible that the very same things in his personality that attracted him to this group that the mom should keep him away from are things that the girlfriend saw in him that she didn't like. Okay, we don't know. We don't know. Your son wants a group to hang out with. Anybody would in his place. Oh, well, there's his position. He wants somebody to hang out with. That must be... The determining factor. He just wants somebody to hang out. It's kind of like the guy who says, I read Playboy for the interviews. He wants someone to hang out with. Yeah, of course he does. The question is who? And he's 16. And your mom. It gets worse. So remind him of your expectations regarding his behavior. In other words, son, don't do what they do. There you go. That's that's a safety factor. And then tell him he has the right to spend time with whomever he wants. Oh, well, shoot, those guys over there, uh, they'd break and enter. Yeah, yeah, it's time to spend with whomever he wants, right? Oh, my gosh. But that if he runs into difficulties... And she says, here's where you should define what trouble looks like to you. He must talk to you and another adult you both trust. Okay, so if he runs into difficulty. gets in trouble with the law. He's going to sit down and talk to you, mom. If he's smoking dope and it changes his personality or it lowers his motivation or his grades start to drop, he must talk to you about that no, not the fact that he shouldn't be around those guys because they're not good for him and that as a parent, your job is to protect him from himself. No, no, he has the right to be with whomever he wants and you need to understand that, Mom. She then says, I haven't even addressed the assumption you made about his former crowd not drinking or doing drugs. Okay, finally, I'm kind of with her on this one. You can't assume that, quote-unquote, the in-crowd was pure. She goes on, suffice it to say, I'd ask your son about that first before being so certain about which kids are a bad influence. All right, now, okay, we don't yet know if the in-crowd was a bad influence. So mom's going to ask him, and you're going to assume that you get an accurate answer, an honest answer. But we do know that the crowd he's hanging with now is not. So I don't really know how this is an argument. That's like saying, okay, you know, the in crowd wasn't that great either, and uh, this new crowd isn't great either, so there you go. Let him hang around with who he wants. You may find out that the original group stepped outside the lines just as much as the current one does. I agree with her on that one but just hid it from their parents better. I agree with him on that one, too. That's not the issue. The matter is a 16-year-old boy hanging out with people who are drinking, against the law, smoking pot, against the law, and who knows what else they're doing. If they're going to do this, they're into other stuff, too. And yet, this quasi-expert says... Let him know he's allowed to hang around with whomever he wants, but that if he gets into trouble, he needs to talk to you and remind him of your expectations. Uh huh. And that, my friends, is one minuscule example of why parents who turn to the experts sometimes get so confused, so unsure of themselves and are not willing to follow their god-given instincts and common sense to deal with the kind of stuff that this culture now lays in front of them dr ray
1: save the date saturday august 26th is the day and birmingham alabama is the place for the 2023 EWTN Family Celebration. We're celebrating Mother Angelica's love for the Eucharist and join us to mark the centennial year of Mother's birth. Make your plans now to attend this free event. More details coming soon at our Family Celebration webpage, ewtncom Family Celebration. There's a notorious lack of honesty and far too much sentimentality when we discuss race in America. And it doesn't serve anyone very well in the long run. Right now, of course, the political left in America is exploiting the deaths of George Floyd and Walter Scott and others to exaggerate the degree of racism among police departments. And this exaggeration of injustice is what Karl Marx called heightening the contradiction. It was a precursor not to reform, but to revolution. And it is important, especially for Christians, to see George Floyd as a brother in Christ. Christ died for George Floyd, but he also died for Derek Chauvin. And as I've said before on this program, I do think criminal justice reform is necessary. But my principal job as a Catholic communicator is not politics, but to share biblical truth. Racial injustice results from Christians failing to apply the fundamental truth that we are all created in God's image.
2: Cresta in the Afternoon with Al
3: Cresta. 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. I'm angry. Frustrated. Sound like you? Someone you know? Well, it could be any of us from time to time. But there's different types of anger. It's not so cut and dry. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Ray. One thing is for sure, you don't need to suffer with anger frustration. In my book, Living Calm, Mastering Anger and Frustration, you'll learn whether your anger is a product of your nature or your nurture and how to regulate those emotions and those thoughts. You can get Living Calm and all my other books at avemariaradio.net. Dr. Rager, any Ph.D., permanent head damage. posthole digger. Putterer in the history of Denmark. Good to have you with me. So, the doctor is in. This is E Person Monday. Always linguistically sensitive. No longer saying E Mail. So patriarchal. Such a throwback. Person. And I'm going to get rid of the person pretty soon. That's right. It's got the second syllable has son in it. Got to get rid of it. This is from Alex. Alex sounds like he is in a PhD course for clinical psychology. He says, I can't help but make some connections between some of the things I'm hearing in class and the teachings of the Catholic Church. I am completing RCIA classes with my fiancé, and I'm set to be initiated in April. So much of this new information is swirling in my head between the academic classes and the RCIA courses. In my academic classes, I'm learning about developmental psychology, Piaget, Erickson, Bowlby, nature versus nurture, intergenerational trauma. You get the picture, Dr. Ray. Major theme that I've noticed is that children learn much from their environment. Children who have loving parents do not have issues later in life. I would attribute many of the successful markings of development in a child's life to the experiences provided to that child by parents. When secure attachments to the mother are made, the child is healthier. Uh, let Let me just jump in here a second, Alex. We are now underestimating two things here. One is the wiring of the child. Every child has a different temperament. Every child has a personality that's kind of inborn. And that is a major contributor to how they navigate life. Some of the greatest parents in the world have kids who just, despite all the parents' best efforts, have gone astray and ended up in ways radically different than they were raised. Likewise... Some of the worst parents in the world have kids who go on to be missionaries and priests and very, very stable members of society. So, and furthermore, the culture. I've talked about that in the show many times. No longer is this a farm in 1880. This is a culture that says your parents are wrong if they're trying to teach you about God. Your parents are wrong if they have traditional morals. Your parents are psycho if they have certain kinds of limits. And if they don't follow the flow of the culture, they're really out of touch, and you really got to get apart from it as soon as you can. This culture says a lot of that. So a lot of great parents, the, the kind of parents you're describing in your e-person here, are finding out at the end of the journey that, that what happened. These kids didn't absorb what I tried to teach them, and it was because the culture just relentlessly assaulted them, and sadly, in some cases, the parents allowed much of it. All right, now that said, here's the question. I got this too when I was in grad school. A dilemma I have. In the ethics course that I'm taking, I'm being taught to, quote, remain neutral in the clinical setting, to a client's choices, beliefs, etc. I am being taught to remain neutral to things such as, and then he talks about the various sexual views in our culture, marriage views, atheism, etc. He says, I find this preposterous. First, because interpersonal human connection and interactions are never neutral. Second, Biggest problem I have with being taught to remain neutral is I now have the teaching and knowledge of the Catholic Church. How can I be expected to remain neutral when a client's actions or beliefs are against the teachings of the church? I'm going to address that in just a second here, Alex. How can I be neutral to a poor decision or beliefs when we know the outcomes of those individuals who follow the teaching of the church have happier, healthier lives? All right. First of all, you're right. Your instincts are right. Remaining neutral, remaining neutral in and of itself is taking a stance. If I have a client who comes into my office and is attracted to children and I remain neutral, it's neither good nor bad. It's just the client's client's predilection, what they want to do. That can't happen. Every client who comes in will tell you about decisions they make in their lives and the psychologist or the therapist looks at those decisions and tries to guide the client through the outcome of those decisions. So that's not remaining neutral because if you're trying to guide them in a certain direction, you're not neutral. That's one. Two, many clients who come in my office are not Catholic. They're not Christian. So how do I tell them that they're acting against the Catholic teachings I don't what I do instead is help them explore the possible repercussions of what they're doing and this is what ties into what you said you said I know that people who follow the teachings of the Catholic Church and the research is very supportive of this secular research all over the place says, basically, when you do it God's way and you don't do it the culture's way, you've got better outcomes. When I know that what they're doing is not only against the church, but it's causing them trouble. Well, you focus on the trouble. You don't have to say, this is what God says, this is what the Catholic Church says, because they don't care. They don't view this as, I'm going to guide my life by the teachings of Christians or the teachings of the Catholic Church. They don't do that. However... They may say, I want to guide my life by what can happen by the directions I choose. So, as a therapist, once again, you're, you're guiding them into what you believe are better ways to conduct themselves, and that's really not neutral. But here's another point. I've seen studies on this. Many clients, if not most, have some kind of religious sensibility. And it does affect the choices they make. And it does affect their emotions. It does affect their thinking. It's, it's well within therapeutic bailiwick to ask them about this. Are you a religious person? How does your religion influence your decision to leave your wife? How is that involved? So you you can ask these questions if the client tells you, in fact, my religion, my Christian sense, whatever that might be, is part of how I live my life. You're allowed to explore that. You're not telling them this is what you must believe or you must convert to this religion. You're not saying that. You're helping them interplay the two. One more point. I'm finding that people of faith are searching for clinicians who respect their faith. Many clinicians don't. In they don't remain neutral. They are actually hostile to people of traditional morals and faith. I've had clients come into my office and say, Yeah, the last therapist we went to told us to divorce. We don't want to divorce. Neither one of us wants to divorce. But the but the therapist told us to divorce. And Did the therapist know you're Catholic? Yes, we told him. And in essence, the therapist basically said, Well, your your Catholic faith is keeping you from self-happiness. Basically.
2: It happens all the
3: time. So more and more people are asking for a specific therapist who recognizes and respects their religious sensibilities. It's part of who the people are at the very deepest level. If you're going to be a psychologist, you're going to be a therapist. You've got to respect what makes people act a certain way. And much of the time, that's morality. And much of the time, the morality is based in their religious beliefs. Yeah, remain neutral sounds uh, very therapeutic. But it doesn't work. And you can't. Even if you say to yourself, I will take no stance whatsoever in any way toward whatever you choose to do. Oh, you're doing this with your child? You're exposing your child six years old to pornography? Well, I will remain neutral about that. No, because even if you don't say it's immoral... What you will try to do is guide the client away from that, recognizing that developmentally this is horrible for this kid. He's going to have all kinds of sexual issues, which would not free him, which would cause him problems. So the therapist isn't neutral in that case, or many cases.
1: Father Benedict Rochelle. Some great people have shown respect for God. Can I read you a little quotation from Albert Einstein, who many times showed a great respect for religion and was one of the great admirers of Pope Pius XII for his stand against the Holocaust during the Second World War? Einstein wrote, the fairest thing we can experience is the mysterious. It's the fundamental
2: emotion that stands at the cradle of all true art and science. A
3: knowledge of the existence
2: of something we can't penetrate.
3: Of the manifestations of the profoundest reason and the most radiant beauty,
1: which are only accessible to our minds in the most elementary form. It is this knowledge and this emotion that constitute the truly religious attitude. Oh, my. So beautifully said. The people you know and
4: trust
5: are on EWTN.
4: Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. I repeat, I'm sure ad nauseum to the guys who are here, a line from Pope Benedict Emeritus now, who used to say over and over again, to be a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice but the result of an event, an encounter, a meeting with the living God and the person of Jesus Christ. This and nothing less is what it means to be a Christian. So we said the new evangelization is new in ardor. That's a kind of old fashioned word. What in the world is ardor? Ardor is zeal, fervor, passion. Are you passionate about Jesus? Passionate about Jesus. Are you zealous for Jesus? Are you fervent for Jesus? Are we fervent for the gospel? Are we passionate about helping this world come to know him?
3: Yeah, you just can't be depressed when you're listening to a fiddle. There's two other uh, instruments, harmonica and banjo. Tough to be depressed. Now, you can be depressed when you're listening to a violin. You can do that. Maybe an oboe. Good to have you with me. Dr. Ray Randy program here. Doctor is in, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern time. This is the variant. New variant. You need a booster for this variant. Just listen. You can get the uh, cure through the ear into orally Just listening. About a week ago, I asked a question concerning my 14-year-old son and his lack of completing homework. Yeah, you always got to explore. Where is all this coming from? I do think, and I, I imagine if I searched this on the Internet, I'd find quite a few studies that basically say Flagging interest in schoolwork is an inverse relationship to the amount of time spent on the screen in other pursuits. I think there's a real clear inverse relationship there. She goes on. Well, I have found out, here we go, that he has been spending a lot of time on a site called Trevor Project. I don't know what that is. Almost all class assignments are on his iPad. The school has blocked this site. All right, so apparently it must not be something they want kids to be on. And he now has no phone. See, mom, uh, see, uh, let me stop myself here for a second. If he was not completing his schoolwork, one of the first things I would do is remove the phone not not as a privilege to be taken away, but as an interference. Furthermore, how long had he had the phone, and he has no computer access at home? All homework is done now where he can be watched <clears throat> Typically what happens is, for us parents, we're reactive. The problem surfaces and then we say, uh-oh, uh-oh, we got to make some changes here. Rather than trying to be proactive and to keep the problem from surfacing. For example, we know that smartphone use is is inversely correlated. I like to use statistic terms so I can sound smart. To school performance. It is. So, rather than give a smartphone to a ninth grader, we don't. But then what happens is, once the iPad and his phone, I'm going to assume, had had enough influence on him, school became that much more of a drag. All right. Go on here. He has friended a person i'm assuming that the friended means virtual i i don't know is it is used to friend meaning i made a friend with someone in person and has opened up his emotions to this person which which basically means when well, most parents say this more often than not it means his dissatisfaction with mom and dad and their rules That's most often what it means. Because rarely does a 14-year-old kid say, Hey, I got a friend and I just want to share with him how much I love life. How happy and grateful I am and how much I love my parents. I got to tell my friend that. No, there's a lot of commiserating that goes on. And by the way, you got to watch out for a friend like that. Because a lot of friends basically say, Yeah, your parents are psycho. Yeah, your parents are weird. Yeah, your parents are the only ones I've ever heard of that do that. There's a lot of that. Just as an aside, when my daughter worked at a fast food place, she was about 16, 17 years old, she came home and she told us, Daddy, of all of the kids that I work with, not a single one of them speaks positively about their parents. I asked, Sari, do they know the kind of parents you have? She said, yes. Do they comment? She goes, oh, yeah. They think you're psycho. So you see what happens. I mean, so often the kids you hang around with, especially those kids who have much more freedom, will trash you to your child says here, he is seeing a therapist today. Okay, so I'm not going to comment on anything that could be anywhere near therapeutic related. These are just generic observations about parents and kids in this culture. As a parent, do you have any advice on how I can help him? He hates us right now. Unfortunately, and I've commented often on this, this kind of adversarial relationship between parents and kids is really something quite new. I believe that. In human history, it's something quite new. Oh, yeah, kids are always immature, and kids always had to be guided, and kids always had to be protected from themselves. But this this kind of, I hate my parents. I can't stand my parents. I've got to get around my parents. My parents are weird. That's happening a lot. And it's happening in parents who are trying to parent differently from the culture's freedoms. I respect his emotions and hate to take this away from him, but it is definitely not permitted. My guess is going to be that the therapist may say, you have to give this back to him. And I'm not going to step in and counter that. I can't do that. Uh, but, But be prepared that the therapist may say that as a parent, you have to let him have these things back because that's what kids at age 14 do now. Now, not all therapists do that, but some do. The other thing I would say is, unfortunately, a good parent has to be ready for their kid's ill will, for their kid's resistance, for their kid's very negative perspective on things. I knew it. I had one point, I had seven teenagers. We homeschooled. We tried our very best to teach them the Catholic faith. That made us a very small minority. Definitely, homeschooling is a minority, one to two percent, maybe three. And taking the faith very seriously, that is about 10 percent, 12 percent, if you believe surveys. So... Of course, my children were quite able at those ages to look around them as much as they could and see that other parents don't do it like we do. And I knew that. And I knew that they were going to, in each their own way, some would absorb it, accept it, and see that it's wise. Others would say, nah, I'm not going to go head on against mom and dad. I'll, I'll get sneaky. I'll go around the bend. And then we had a few who jetted out their jaw and tried to resist. It didn't work. Not very long. But I knew it. I braced myself for it. And I think, Mom, you're kind of in the same position. You're taking some strict stances because he's showed that he can't be trusted. So now, um, I would suggest that you do get a chance to talk to the therapist. If the therapist is of that mindset, to allow parents to uh, weigh in, Dr. Ray.
5: What do we mean when we say the church is the body of Christ? From the very beginning, Jesus shared with his apostles his mission, his joys and sufferings, and the mystery of the kingdom. The Catholic Catechism points out that Jesus indicated the intimacy of his union with his followers when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and I in you. When Jesus' visible presence was taken away from the apostles, they were not orphaned. Jesus sent them his spirit. As a result, says the Catechism, communion with Christ is even more intense. Jesus mystically constitutes as his body all those brethren called together from every nation. The church is not only gathered around Christ, she is united in him, in his body. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
2: Catholic Connection
0: with Teresa Tomio everything we say in the mass is directly from scripture the opening prayers the closing words from the deacon everything except the homily which is an actual reflection or supposed to be on the readings of the day everything is directly from scripture so when people say well i never heard the bible at mass and that's why i left the catholic church that's simply factually wrong they either have not been to a mass or are not willing to admit just how scripturally sound the mass is So I think it's very important to study Scripture. So important. And especially as it relates to the celebration of the Eucharist, right? Which is a coming together of a celebration of Thanksgiving. That's what the word means. And there's all kinds of great things you can learn about our relationship with the Lord in the Eucharist and in the Mass by studying Scripture. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio,
3: Weekdays,
0: 9 a.m. Eastern
5: on EWTN Radio.
2: I guess what I'm trying to say is at least at the one we went to, we didn't really get much of a catechesis. So they're pretty ignorant of their faith. And my husband has, you know, we, we live at a distance from them. We're at another state, so it hasn't been an issue. It's, um, except for when we try to go back for Christmas, he's like, oh, is your sister and her significant other and their kids going to be in the same staying in the same house as us when we come visit? And my husband's very traditional Catholic. Um, I mean, and I am too. But my parents just kind of always just act like, you know, they're just very accepting, everything's fine. They kind of just act like they are married, even though they aren't married in the church. Well,
3: they may not be accepting, so, but they don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. They don't want to lose their kid.
2: Right, exactly. And so my mom's been very good about that part of it, but when it comes to, like, standing up for your faith at all, yeah. The, the peace part wins for her, you know, and I, sure. I'm understanding that more now being a mom, but it may, it puts us in a hard place kind of because how so? We the wait a minute,
3: wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How so? Because this is not your decision. You didn't allow them to stay in your house. Your mother no. allowed them to stay in her right. house. So if if you stay there, this has this has nothing to do with you. That's true. If your husband says, Well um, we need to make a statement um, I think you're wasting your time because I think your sister' Yeah, well, know exactly. I think you just thought I
2: needed to talk to my parents about it, which I have, and uh, especially my dad because he's the more traditional Catholic. You Catholic got thing. nowhere. You got nowhere. <laughs> because this is an emotional yeah. thing, and they're definitely it they're definitely afraid. Kind of go in and out of the years, mm-hmm. but anyway. Yeah. So then we're pl- trying to plan this family trip, okay, to get all the cousins together, to get my parents and us kids together, and we were thinking we'll go to a resort that has cabins and they could just stay in another cabin and it, you know, wouldn't be an issue if they're in another cabin. Um, But it happens that there's like a cabin that has many rooms and my sister had wanted to plan another trip to like Hawaii, let's say. And my husband said, you know, you really need to like let her know the situation because if she tries to come here with him to our house, because now we have a house where we could accommodate more guests Um, you know, it's just so hard because I want her to be close. You know, like she calls me for advice all the time. She has, she's expecting her fourth baby now. With this
3: guy, um, fourth baby with this guy.
2: Yep, with this guy. Yes, Hmm. and I Hmm. didn't go to her wedding, but she was very accepting of that. Actually, like surprisingly, kind of. Well, then she would
3: probably be accepting that you would say, "Hey, look, I I can't let you stay here in our house." can't let you do that. I got That's kids. what I would,
2: I kind of thought she wouldn't be surprised when I brought it up to her, but I, I think I just did it at a bad time. I did it by text nah. message. <laughs>
3: you know what I think it is? It was, you know what I think what? it is? Now, I could be wrong. I was wrong once, 1984, I think it was. Um, I, I remember looking at the, watching the Browns game, and I turned to my friend and said, I think they're going to call a draw play, and they didn't. They, they dropped back and threw a screen, so I was wrong. So it was 1984. So, I'm, I'm taking a risk here. My, my, my gut tells me that when you didn't go to her wedding, she probably accepted that because, <clears throat> okay, it was this this, this this first moral decision you had to make regarding this guy. All right. Okay. I know my sister. She's, she's Catholic to the core. I got that. Well, now her attitude is, hey, we've been together X years. We have a better relationship than most marriages. And furthermore, we've got four kids together. So when are you going to get over it? Now.
2: Right. Ah,
3: I'm glad you said that because I was sweating. Because that was 35 years ago was the last time I was wrong. And I risked it all on your call. It's a good thing you said right. Because I would have hung up on you. Now, given that, Amy, I think you've got several options. One, of course, in your place, you say no we we can't do we can't do that, uh, and we we just won't do that. One for the moral reasons, and also for the kids. I don't want to confuse the kids. Regarding the cabin with six bedrooms, that still is not your moral concern. Now, if you choose to say, well, yeah, but my kids are going to ask all kinds of questions, and I just don't want to field those questions from the younger kids. Okay, you can tell them that, and they're going to be ticked at you. It's, that's just that's the way it's going to be. I don't suspect they're going to be gracious and say, well, I certainly understand that. You know, you subscribe to a very different moral system than we do, and, and I, I respect that. I really do. And, and and in some ways, I admire you for it. So thank you. Oh, no. Thank you I for mean, she got really upset. I, I know. Quakers. The, yes. not have anything to do with our Quaker religion. Yes, and yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. How nonsense. <laughs> what nonsense. You are not allowed to have your own belief system. How dare you? This, this is... These folks who spout tolerance out of every pore that they have are the least tolerant of people they can't look at you and say hey I don't agree with her however I acknowledge that she has as much right to believe as she believes as I think I do okay no 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 and you know why it is Amy alright here we go again you can tell me I'm wrong but you better not because she Knows that what she's doing was not the way she was raised. And in her mind, this is what I want to do anyway. And if you don't stamp it approved, then you're kind of reminding her, even though, in her mind, she's rationalized it. I don't want to be a Quaker.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Need, wait, yeah, Well, <laughs> well, I can't believe she picked that one. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> so, you've talked to your mom. you talked to your dad. They're not going to They're not gonna rock the boat. They're not going to do
2: it. I did. Actually, I did talk to them, and they actually said they would talk to her. And so, they're going to try to wait, like, let time kind of oh. heal her. Look out. This is two years out. This is a two years out trip. Oh, all right.
3: Well, then don't, don't worry so about it. Don't worry about they're it. They're,
2: like, going to talk to her later when it's closer. Don't even she bring
3: it up for the next them. year and nine months. <laughs> let it go
2: because the thing is she actually could come to this we've arranged it so it would work out that they would have their own little section and it would be fine you know Well, hopefully she'll accept that i'm being unaccepting
3: that's exactly right i've told her that i like this
2: guy a lot and i just wish he'd come and marry her in the church like get the blessing from the church it
3: all has to do with below the waist It all has to, 90% of people who look at the Catholic Church, it's below the waist that they don't agree with them. And it isn't because, you know what I hate about that Catholic Church? They tell you that you're supposed to love people. Isn't that ridiculous? They say that you're supposed to, to share what you have with others who have less. Oh, that just ticks me off. No, they don't say that. They don't say that at all. Ninety percent of the time, it's because they want to live sexually and postmaritally, premaritally, and every other way the way they want to live. All right, Amy. Good luck to you, dear. Don't worry about it for another <laughs> year and nine months. And I risked, I risked my thirty-five years without being wrong on you. I hope you appreciate that. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, dear. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, way past break. By the way, you know, one of the things that happens, we, we get the we get the bevy of calls up front on the program. Everybody calls in top of the show, and they think, well, that's it. You know, I'm not going to call in now. There's only eight minutes in the show, or 10 minutes, or 12 minutes. No, 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 no. Call in any time, because the the call, what's the word I'm looking for? A rate? What's the, word, what, what's the word I'm looking for, Andrew? call selec- Call selection. Call selection doesn't necessarily depend upon who calls first. It depends upon the topic. It depends upon the situation. It depends upon the time we have left. All kinds of things. So I'm telling you, if you want to call in and you say, well, it's too late now, don't say that. Okay, that's enough. I'm done. Bye.
1: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot?
4: If you believe in the power of prayer, Ave Maria Radio invites you to look at their website to submit a prayer request at avemariaradio.net. Your prayer requests are shared with hundreds at the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Servants of God's Love, the Monastery of the Blessed Sacrament Cloistered Nuns, the Family of Faith Apostolate, and the staff of Ave Maria Radio. Just go to avemariaradio.net and click on the Community tab to submit your prayer request today. Christ is the Answer, with Father John Ricardo. You know, maybe we need to ask ourselves, do we really know Jesus? Maybe another way to ask that would be, how familiar are you with the Gospels? When I was living in D.C., I was on the plane taking a late flight home, sitting next to a young girl. She was probably 16, 17. I had my collar on and we got talking and she said, um, somehow in the course of the conversation, she acknowledged that she was running away from home and was in the midst of uh, an awful lot of difficulties that were going on. Her story seemed to be remarkably akin to the story of the prodigal son, which we just heard this past Sunday at Mass, huh? And so I started to speak a little bit about that with her. And I said, you sound a little bit like the younger son in the story of the prodigal son. And she looked at me like I was from Mars. And I said, are you not familiar with the story of the prodigal son? And she says, no, never heard it. And I just looked at her and I says, oh my goodness, are you in for a wonderful evening?
3: Thing about having a big dog we got one of those electric fences we got a couple of rottweilers and you know what they do if they see a cat or they see the neighbor's dog they charge through the fence they take the hit (laughs) and of course they bark and they get mad and they turn around like somebody's attacking them so my dog when we first got him ran away My wife said, "Ray, you got to find him." I said, "I'll, I'll put an ad in the paper," and I did. I put in, I put in a one ad, and uh, the lady said, "What would you like to say?" And I said, "Just say here, boy." Okay, you wonder where all that was gone, didn't you? (laughs) Not a whole lot of time to take too much more. But did you notice a little bit? uh, A couple of the calls we had today, I think, are reflective. Of, well, it's, it's because of the particular social circles that I now travel in a lot. You have folks who are punished for their Catholic moral stances, usually by their, by their family, which is really sad. Really, really sad. You know, it's an irony. Isn't it an irony? Because the people who leave the Catholic faith, the Christian faith, to go on to be more open-minded, are the ones who punish their family members because they still have a sense that what God gave them is true. You know? That's the first thing. Then the second thing I found, and I don't know if this is because of our culture. I really don't know. I haven't been around long enough. Teresa Tamio has, so I should probably interview her about this. Are people more prickly than they used to be? Are they more hypersensitive because I'm seeing so much of the younger generation writing off their parents, writing off mom or dad. They they just decide, I don't really want to have contact with you anymore. Or, or if I do want to have contact with you, it's a very limited basis. What is going on? I'm, I'm, I'm stunned by it. And it's happening. It is so common. It is socially an epidemic. Even worse, it could be endemic. And I'm thinking, is there something that is characteristic of the grown up, young grown up, latest generation? That more and more of them are just looking at their parents like leave me alone get away from me or in the extreme get out of my life and get out of my kids lives i get a lot of referrals like that oh my i tell you in my office they pour in like this i used to get my six-year-old doesn't listen to me help me get my six-year-old under control dr Eight. Now I get my 26-year-old not only doesn't listen to me, he doesn't talk to me. Yow. Yow. I guess the best advice I could give you is don't underestimate how prickly or sensitive a particular young adult child is in your life. And usually it's just one or two of the grown kids. It's not all of them, which tells you it has got a lot to do with the personality of that particular adult child. Never underestimate how when you think you're giving helpful advice or you're giving good opinions or you're giving the wisdom that you've been there, they take it exactly the opposite and they don't want to hear it and they take it as a personal insult. Hope to see you on the TV show. Go to drray.com forward slash tickets. Find all the details and come on out. We want a big audience. Come on, you guys. Walk with God. Hold your kids tightly by the hand.
1: For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit drray.com and follow him on Facebook. The Dr. In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
5: The next Military Women's Acts Retreat will be on May 18th through the 22nd at St. Anthony de Padua Retreat Center. Come experience a weekend of focusing on your faith and its application to daily life. This retreat will help cultivate friendships among other military women in the military church community. To request a registration form or additional information, email samilitaryacts at gmail.com or call Irma at 210-573-1226. Mother Teresa said, let no one come to you without leaving better or happier. This is how we try to live our personal and professional lives. We're Rob and Camille DeMaio, proud sponsors of Guadalupe Radio here in San Antonio. Our team of realtors can help you through every step of buying or selling a home. For more information, call us at 210-488-1144 for real estate help in San Antonio and throughout the United States. Rob and Camille DeMaio, your real estate team. 210-488-1144.
1: Oh, hey, Mater, where are you towing that car? Just making a tax-deductible car donation to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Man, that GRN is a life-changer. Well, that's charitable of you. And did I mention (laughs) tax-deductible? To be like Mater and donate your car, call 866-628-2277 or visit grnonline.com and click on Donate. and you'll get a tax deduction. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is 89.7 FM KJMA Radio, Floresville, San Antonio. Also online at grnonline.com. We don't mess with the truth. Hear it. Love it. Live it.
0: Images of God for our children. St. John Paul II told us, Parents' love is called to become for children the visible sign of the very love of God. In play, we are strengthening our children's sense of belonging. Your child can believe more easily God loves them because you love them. This is what play communicates.
4: Play helps us also remember who we really are and what we are made for, what it's like to be a child, and that childlikeness is an essential element of prayer. Getting on a child's level and being vulnerable and simple and maybe even a bit silly reminds us that it is only through humility that we can approach the Lord. To join us and hundreds of other families for our play and pray challenge, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org.